Dr. Karen Wolowick has been a practicing OBGYN for over 17 years. She decided to venture into the world of private practice to try to reconnect with more intimate and rewarding aspects of women's health. She gives a review of what all physicians should know about OBGYN, even your friendly neighborhood otolaryngologist. So we get a crash course in birth control, why someone should get their hormones checked, or rather not, how to think about risks when prescribing medications to pregnant or nursing patients, the modern practice of OB, like laborists, and when are we going to start seeing pre- and post-wifery, not just midwifery? She was born and raised in northeastern Pennsylvania. Dr. Wolowick went to college at Millersville University, where she majored in biology and played field hockey. She went to medical school at Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine and did her OBGYN residency at Rush University. Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a practical guide for practicing physicians. Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of their respective employers. Those on this podcast accept no liability for the outcomes of medical decisions based on this information. As the radiologists like to say, clinical correlation is required. This is not medical advice, and this does not constitute a physician-patient relationship. If you have a medical problem, seek medical attention. And now, here's Dr. Bradley Block. And now a word from this week's sponsor, Laurel Road. Taking out med school loans had me watching every penny. I took two buses to get to campus. During my residency, I walked 20 blocks. But since I opened a Laurel Road link checking account when I refinanced my loans, I got a crazy low rate plus a cash bonus. And all that extra money helped me finally buy my own car. Where are we going? Anywhere we want. Laurel Road for doctors. Banking insights and benefits uniquely designed for doctors. See laurelroad.com slash doctor checking for full terms and conditions. Laurel Road is a brand of KeyBank NA member FDIC. Dr. Karen Wallowick, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Hi, Brad. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So let's get right to it. Give us a crash course in birth control. Go. You got it. See, everyone's so excited for an episode with a gynecologist now, right? So let's make it quick and easy. So birth control options, just a few here. So good old-fashioned birth control pill. It has been around forever. Sometimes it gets a, a bad name, but it is literally one of the best things ever invented. So birth control pill, worst thing about it, you just got to remember to take it every day. That is the only way it works. And that's the only way you're going to feel good on it, but you got to take it every day. For those of us that are bad about taking it every day, there is a patch that you can wear that you just have to remember to change once a week. So that's not so bad. Or the Nuva ring. It's a vaginal ring, uh, literally a little plastic ring that sits inside the vagina. Just remember to change that once a month. Pill patch Nuva ring. They're all little estrogen and progesterone. Keep your hormones nice and balanced. Lots of good benefits besides just birth control. Um, other options for birth control, though, there's a Wait, sorry, the Nuva ring. Yes. That's, so is that the way that that works? It's, it's a ring that sits around the vagina to prevent penises from going in? Is that how it works? <laughs> Not so much. No, no. no. Okay. So it's a little vaginal ring. It sits inside the vagina. Okay. It's like uh, you can't feel it. You don't know it's there. It's completely removable. It contains the same hormones that are in the birth control pill. So it's a little estrogen and progesterone. Instead of swallowing it, the hormones are absorbed through the vaginal mucosa. It still uh, gives you systemic uh, estrogen and progesterone. Okay. Again, keeps the hormones nice and balanced. They all work and to it's prevent ovulation. Yeah, women can take it in and out themselves, absolutely. But it prevents ovulation. That's how the pill patch and Nuva ring work. So okay, all okay. Uh, other options, Depo-Provera shot. That's an intramuscular injection of progesterone that you get every three months. 
Uh, this one has probably the most side effects, a little bit of weight gain, uh, a lot of irregular bleeding for the first three months. I honestly, I mostly use this just for my non-compliant teenagers, but still safe and effective. And then uh, everyone needs to know about IUDs, intrauterine devices. These things are fantastic. There are five different types of them. Uh, they're so great for birth control. They last anywhere from three to 10 years, depending on which one you get. And there are four of them that contain progesterone that also help significantly with periods, which is fantastic. Uh, there's also a little uh, Nexplanon that's a little um, a subcutaneous uh, arm implant, uh, contains a little progesterone, good for three years. And of course, we've got tubal ligations and vasectomies for those people who don't want any more kids or never ever want kids. You know, those are good options as well, too. So with the this is getting a little further afield than we we had planned on it, but but you mentioned IUDs and I had read mm -hmm. that, you know, with the changes in abortion, um, you know, Roe v. Wade, that people that women were going to get um, IUDs, like there was a rush on IUDs. Oh, yes. Uh, and, and that's because they wanted to prevent themselves from getting pregnant, not because there's a chance that IUDs could somehow become illegal? Oh, gosh. Hopefully not. IUDs are fantastic forms of birth control. They are safe. They are effective. They are great at preventing pregnancy. There is um, this misconception out there that they can somehow cause abortions, and that's really not the case. Um, some of the progesterone ones do thin the endometrial lining a little bit. They do work by preventing implantation as well a little bit. But the main mechanism is they prevent pregnancy in the first place. They prevent, they're toxic to sperm. They prevent the sperm from ever really, re, uh, ever uh, meeting the egg in the first place. So it's, it's really important to know that they're not, they don't cause abortions to happen. They prevent pregnancy in the first place. Um, and I think that that was the, the worry about why they might get banned is just that, you know, that, that kind of misinformation that's out there. Got it. Okay. Um, what misinformation do you hear regarding birth control? Right. So I, I'm an otolaryngologist. It's not something that's part of my continuing medical <laughs> education. So like, you know, there might be other physicians out there that haven't learned about birth control since they were in medical school. Maybe they heard something, repeated it to a patient, and then it comes down, comes back to you that the patient heard this from a doctor, right? So is there misinformation about birth control that you've heard your patients say that sounds like it may be coming from physicians or other healthcare practitioners? Well, I, I hope it doesn't come from physicians, certainly. There's so much misinformation out there. Most of my patients are getting are getting their information from TikTok now. I mean, it's all over social media, so, so much misinformation. I thought I'd never be on TikTok, but it might, I might, I might have to, I mean, if that's where they're getting I their information, we got to go where the audience I is. We got to go if that's where they're getting it. So and you know, next episode, Dr. Wallowick, we're going to have to like have little sign and we're going to have to start pointing to, instead of talking. <laughs> I don't gonna, I'm going to ask you a question and you're going to point to the answer. <laughs> exactly. But I think we've got to, you got to write the words out. But oh my, even I, a patient today, you know, so she follows an influencer, I, I, I guess on TikTok, Instagram, I don't know what, but, um, but the, they promote this idea that, um, you know, that uh, hormones are bad, you know, and that uh, birth control pill isn't safe for you. And this just could not be further from the truth. So this, this whole idea that hormones are bad I, I'm, is really just sexism. It really is. Uh, estrogen's good for you with the coursing through our body. It's, it's okay. Well, estrogen and progesterone, there's, you know, nothing wrong with that. Not only wrong with that, right? It decreases your risk of heart disease. Once those things, yes. you know, we even tried replacing it and 
with yes. not good outcomes, yeah. but yeah. So yeah, there are really good benefits to estrogen. And uh, this idea that all natural is safe. So anything natural must be safe for you. Anything made in the lab is, is, is not safe, is completely false. You know, the, the biggest thing is pregnancy is much more dangerous for you than the birth control pill. I promise. Risk of strokes, heart attacks, high blood pressure, all of that way, 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 way higher in pregnancy than from taking a birth control pill. So we, we've got to remember that. We've got to stop this misinformation that somehow, you know, something that is natural is automatically safe for you. Not true. We, we, uh, we had an episode, uh, actually a couple episodes a long time ago with an evolutionary biologist, uh, Nathan Lentz. And one of the things that we talked about was uh, pregnancy in, in humans and how the mortality is so high. And it turns out that these giant craniums that allow us to become the dominant species in the, on the planet are also a huge liability in terms of maternal mortality. But it, it, you know, in terms of evolution, the risk versus benefit for the survival of the species was there on an individual level. Like it's, it's, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. dangerous. It gets completely glossed over. I mean, there's a whole specialty just helping women get through pregnancy. And most of my colleagues and myself, we see really scary things sometimes. And at the end of the day, we just say, well, thank goodness they're young and healthy because that's really why they survive some of this stuff. So pregnancy can be quite dangerous, not to scare people out of it, but the idea that the birth control pill is somehow dangerous for you and pregnancy isn't is is completely wrong. Well, if we're scaring people out of it with this conversation, then they probably (laughs) shouldn't be. They haven't thought it through well enough and they maybe have. should sit down and think about it's it. It's true. It's so naive. Oh, it's just, you know, it'll be so cute. I get a little yeah. belly, you know, you know, it won't be so bad. One cute little push and then I'll have a baby. Yeah. yeah we're, yeah, we're not, it's, we're, we're setting ourselves up for a disappointment. No doubt about exactly. it. Exactly. Like not just because your influencer showed you all the amazing <laughs> right. things about, about being a parent. Oh, yes. Um, okay. So whenever I put someone on antibiotics or steroids, sure. my specialty, usually both, um, the EMR tells me that it interacts with the birth control, right? Sure. So sure. what should I be telling those patients? Should I be telling them, stop the birth control or keep going? It's just not going to be effective or, you know, what, what is it should, I should be telling my patients? Sure, sure. Well, yeah, you know, I'm never going to tell you to tell them to stop the birth control pill. That's for sure. So really those interactions just mean that instead of your birth control pill now being 99 uh, percent effective when taken correctly. Maybe it's 96% effective, maybe maybe 90, you know, at the worst. So still 90% effective at, at preventing pregnancy. So you let your patient know that, hey, that this might decrease the effectiveness of your birth control pill a little bit. So you've got to be really good this month about taking the same time every day. You might have a little breakthrough bleeding or spotting. And if you're going to be sexually active, you definitely want to use a condom this month. You know, that's that's all just a little backup, but no reason to stop the birth control pill. Okay. Okay. Great. That allows me to have uh, a little more <laughs> informed conversation with those with those patients rather than just abstinence abstinence while you're on your antibiotics while you have a sinus infection it's not is just pouring out of your face you <laughs> might not want to sex with your patients they're yeah, going to yeah. appreciate that you're going to want to yes. ask them get personal yes <laughs> so what about the clotting risk with with birth control and is it it's it's with the birth control pill or is it with all of the estrogen um, containing birth control? Methods? You got it. So it's always estrogen that's blamed for, for the clotting. So that's your birth. Control. Wait a second. We <laughs> just said you, we just said how amazing estrogen is. Now it increases well, your risk of clotting. 
Sure, I still love it. But uh, yeah, it's your birth control pill, the patch or the NuvaRing that contains a little bit of estrogen and progesterone. Risk of blood clots, strokes, heart attacks, all that bad stuff on that is literally less than one in a thousand. And those one in a thousand women are usually over the age of 35 who smoke or people with a family history of blood clotting disorders, your, your factor five lines, your prothrombin gene mutation. So again, risk of blood clots in pregnancy, about one in 500, you know, much higher in pregnancy. But, um, uh, but overall, you know, so so a slight increased risk, yes, but it's not it's not fifty percent. It's not one in two. It's it's you know nothing to be too. Now, now I don't want to name this specific illness. Um, I'm going to spell it, and the reason is because when we put out YouTube videos, if we mention it by name, they don't let us like push it out. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, C O V I D, right? Because oh. they just assume that anyone who's creating a video about it is creating misinformation. So they don't let us oh, put geez. it out there. So, <laughs> so, you know, this is, this is a virus that causes endothelial damage. We're seeing sure. increased risk of, of heart attack and stroke, uh, afterwards. So are you seeing that there's like any type of interplay between birth control and the virus? I, I have not seen that personally. I've not seen okay. that clinically. Theoretically, sure, there probably is, but um, but, but there's a lot of uh, modifiable risk factors for blood clots. You know, smoking, immobility, obesity, high blood pressure—all of that stuff has to play into it as well. Got it. Got it. Okay. And there are other options too. So, you know, if, if we feel like this isn't a good patient, you know, to be on estrogen, so we, we know she has a factor five Leiden deficiency, she's immobile, she's obesity, she, she has high blood pressure, maybe she's not great for estrogen. There's still lots of other birth control options out there. So, you know, it, it's not that there's no option for her whatsoever. There's lots of other great options. But all about risks versus benefits. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So we talked about how amazing estrogen is. Yes. When should our patients come in to have their hormones checked? Oh my God. OBGYN's least favorite patient, you know, and we see them every day. You know, they usually write it online. I've come in, I feel off, I want my hormones checked. And again, so anyone who's been to medical school knows that your hormones fluctuate throughout the menstrual cycle day to day. So as we remember, in the beginning of the menstrual cycle after period, estrogen levels start to increase. They peak mid-cycle at ovulation. You ovulate, you form a corpus luteum, which releases progesterone. That peaks about the third week in the menstrual cycle. And then those hormones all decrease and crash, and that's what signals the period to come. So as we know, in a normal menstrual cycle, hormones fluctuate day to day. So checking progesterone and estrogen levels on a normal premenopausal woman is not helpful in any way in determining what's going on with her. You know, I think those patients often, it's, it sounds like those patients are like the, the brain fog patients, Completely. right? They come in to see me sometimes because they're like, it's my sinuses. And they'll point to their sinuses and just be like, it feels congested. And it's just this vague sense of fullness that is really affecting their quality of life, but hard to pinpoint more than that. Or they'll say, you know, it's my allergies. And really they're describing the same symptom or, or they'll say it's more like dizziness and they'll think it's coming from their ears. So, so sure. just, sure. you know, these patients are not just going to see the OB to have their, um, to have their hormones checked. Like they, they, they're really often in, in a, in a challenging situation where, because it's so hard to characterize the symptoms, it's hard to know where to send them, what to check, what to do. 
Absolutely. This is the same. I'm sure the primary care is it's the same. I, I want my thyroid checked. I need a thyroid panel. I know it's my thyroid's yeah. off because patients often complain the same thing. It's true. Fatigue and, you know, fogginess. With the concentration. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. So unfortunately, these patients just take a little while. You've got to sit down and talk to them. The first question I ask is, how are you sleeping at night? Almost all the time, they're, they're not sleeping well at night. As you know, as, as doctors know, sleep deprivation is evil. It's everything. You cannot function when you're not getting a good night's sleep. You know, it catches up with you eventually. Even if you think it doesn't, it does. You can't remember anything. You can't form words. Everything's harder. You're gaining weight. You can't lose weight. All of it. So sleep is number one. And then we talk about diet, exercise, and other causes of stress. You know, so you got to kind of go through that. You tease all that out. It's tough. Everyone's looking Dr. for- Dr. Wallowick, you're not, <laughs> not going to achieve influencer status if you're just I'm saying not. sleep better, eat better, that. exercise. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I know. And and honestly, and you see them being disappointed because they were so hoping that I would just say, here's the supplement you need. I've got it right here on my shelf. I'm ready to sell it to you. 20 bucks, you know, or more than that, probably. But but that's the secret. And we've we've always known this, right? Sleep, diet, exercise and stress levels. And if any of the listeners know someone that can help us to help the patients do all of these things, like I had BJ Fogg on the on the episode on the podcast a while ago talking about habit development, but uh, you know, anyone else in the field of habit development that can help us get those patients to sleep better, eat better, exercise more. Cause it's easy to say it, it's impossible to do. So yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. That's where the frustration comes from. Cause we've only got a little bit of time with them and we're talking about making lifestyle changes. Yeah. So I do try to break it down. Exactly. Like you said, your, your daily habits, it comes down to your daily habits and you've got to prioritize, you know, what's most important. Yeah. Yeah. Easier said than done. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so let's let's talk about pregnancy now. Sure. Right? Because there were, or maybe there still are, maybe I'm wrong, medication classes in pregnancy, right? I yeah. knew what class A, B, C, and D, right? Sure. I knew what those meant. Are we still using those classifications? I don't know. To be honest, SOBGONs, we always hated them. They didn't mean much to really? us. Oh, gosh, yeah. Because really, when you look at them, all it means is, well, it's not well studied, but probably safe, or it's not well studied and probably not safe. And some Well, yeah, but I can explain that to a patient. Like, (laughs) that's a bite-sized bit information that I can be like, listen, it's been proven to be harmful, so we can't use it. This one has never been shown to be harmful. You give it to a large dose, a a large dose in a rat, and yeah, it causes problems. But in humans, it's never been shown. Like, I, 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 I found that I was... It was a digestible way to to break it down. So you're yeah. saying I, I, I shouldn't be using that anymore? Nah, no, nah, because even still, like, oh, it has never been proven to be not safe doesn't mean that it's safe. You know? So it all comes down to does the woman need to be on the medication or not? It's as simple as that. So if she needs to be on it, she needs to be on it. If she doesn't, then she doesn't. It should have nothing to do with whether she's pregnant or not. Now, certainly there are some medications that will, you know, like, like uh, blood pressure. So we like labetalol, which is a nice, gentle little blood pressure medication, whereas an ACE inhibitor is not. So is not what we would pick in pregnancy. But you don't make decisions about whether or not she's on the medication just because she's pregnant. Right. But it helps me choose antibiotics. Right. Oh, it helps me choose like, like Augmentin is class B and like Levaquin is class D. So, right. This helps me. Yeah. This helps me. Sure. sure. Okay. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, but, but even one dose of Levaquin, I'm not going to like lose my mind over as an yeah. OB. 
end, you know, it really, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. chronic medication. So you, so you know what I'll do? Often. You know, you can't take one every day. That kind I'll of I'll just, anytime I'm going to prescribe a medication to a pregnant woman, I'm going to call her OB and ask first. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. So don't do that. Please do not. Call the pediatrician for it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no one. So yeah, no worries. It's just risk benefit. You got it. Uh, antibiotics, you have your handful that you know that will work for what you're prescribing that you know are safer in pregnancy. You're going to use the lowest dose possible for the least amount of time, you know, but, but you would do that for any patient. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it okay. takes a lot to get an OBGYN excited about medi- medication. When I mean, we see people on heroin and cocaine, I mean, it just you have to you have to really impress us. To- yeah. 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 <laughs> but I just remember the pictures of like the the digits of kids oh. of from 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 medical school. Like those pictures, they stay with you. They, you know, like sure. the sure. strangulated fingers from you know avascular necrosis. Yeah. You see a lot of but, stuff. But heroin, they were all fine, right? So that's how we know. Right. Exactly. So it, it just doesn't work like that. It's not like you take yeah. this once and, and bad things happen. It, it's usually chronic usage of anything and okay. multiple okay. factors. So sorry, I know. Okay. <laughs> I was hoping you could simplify it. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. So same question, but with breastfeeding. Sure. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. And breastfeeding, we're even less impressed because yeah. even if things are in breast milk, they're often not even usually the active metabolites. So yeah. like, I'm less impressed with that for sure. Okay. Okay. I, I mean, I, often I can find like the breastfeeding information on the, yes. um, in the EMR and it'll yeah. tell me like, and uh, 0.06% ends up in the breast milk. So like it's some like minuscule amount. Yeah, you're fine with that. Exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, so don't call the pediatrician with that question. Yeah, maybe not. They get okay, a lot of phone okay. calls, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they do, especially now. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about now the state of OB practice, oh, right? Yeah. Like yes. the evolution of, of, of OB, of, of modern OB, you know, inclusion of midwifery. Um, so, and, and then actually, before we get, to the state of OB, midwifery. Is there is there like a pre-wifery and a post-wifery that goes with the midwifery? Or is it just mid? I've only just met mid. I don't know. No, yeah, no there pre-wi- should be a pre and a wifing. post. Yeah, you should get to, yeah, you know, graduate. I, I'm not exactly. sure. Exactly. But yeah. I'm <laughs> in my post-wifing stage. Yeah, like a post-back. <laughs> why mid, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Right? Right. Just mid. Right. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So, so let's talk about the state, the state of, of OB practice. Um, and is there going to be anyone left practicing obstetrics or is everyone just going to be like, you know what? I'm done. Yeah. That's probably only. That's for sure. Yeah. The days of, you know, one doc doing everything all the time is the days of that have to be numbered there. So, you know, myself, I was part of a a large multi-specialty physician group and I got, um, I was part of like a six doc, practice and and we did everything. Unfortunately, we didn't have any midwives that we worked with or um, some hospitals have uh, laborists now, which is fantastic. They just deliver all the babies. Also great, but we didn't do that. Um, So, and I'm probably still part of the majority, but it's, um, you know, you're rounded in the hospital, you're delivering babies, you're in the OR, you're seeing patients in the office, we're doing circumcisions even. Oh my gosh. It's like, when you're on call, it's it's just crazy busy. You never know when an ectopic's going to come through the ER. It's just it's just nonstop. And 
um, I for sure, I, you know, I did that for about 12 years and then I got super burned out, super burned out. So I took a little break and then I, um, opened up my own private practice now and I'm just doing gyne only. And it's just, it's been life-changing. I feel like I have a part-time job. It's <laughs> from what I was used to. It's just so much better. It's so much better. So I do feel like if we can compartmentalize some things that that may help a lot of us for sure. For sure. Well, so, so the laborist thing I think is new, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's becoming very popular. It's a lot of the bigger hospitals. So uh, one of my former partners now is, is just doing OB hospitalist work. It's great. You do, you know, a couple, either 12 or 24 hour shifts and you do 24. Well, some still do 24. Exactly. You know, if you're traveling, but, um, but you just maybe do two of those a week instead of, you know, being on call as much as we were. And she gets to go home when she's done. It's beautiful. And is, is that when they do that, do they also have like an outpatient practice in addition to being a laborist or you are a laborist? Like it's like, um, being in the emergency department, right? right? Like when you're on, you're on and, and that's it. There's no like outpatient, you know. Yeah. No, you go home and you're done. You don't have to see patients in the clinic. You're not, you don't have your pager on you. You're just done, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. That sounds Really nice. And especially if you're employed by a large hospital, because, uh, you know, one of the big downsides to OB is the is the liability. I mean, yes. not that yes. getting sued is is OK, but when the malpractice is being covered by the hospital that you're working for, it's it, it is a different situation because, like, you know, you're in private practice. Now, you know, like you have premiums. And if you get sued a bunch of times, the premiums go up. Um, right. You it got, sounds like yeah, it's it's a nice states are system. terrible. Yeah, I'm in Illinois, and you know it's crazy. It's six figures here for malpractice for an OB in Illinois. It's it's insane. It's it's really crazy. So yeah, getting that covered is no small thing. That's for sure. Yeah. So I mean, how is that sustainable? It's not. <laughs> It's not. I mean, it's just not. And it, and it's, you know, unrealistic that we, you know, even in residency, you're just expected to do everything. And I'll be honest, a, a lot of us like the variety. I, I went into it. I really like the variety. I love delivering babies. I got to operate. I'd be in the office. I liked doing everything. But it's just, I don't think it's sustainable. Like you just, it's, it's, it's exhausting, you know? So it, I think it's fun to kind of do everything in the beginning, see what you like. And then maybe it is nice to kind of focus then after that. Yeah, taper off from there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Sure. which we is which is totally doable. You know, totally doable. Yeah. So then, how does call work for you now? Uh, well, I mean, technically, you could say I'm on call all the time, but but not really. I, I never, knock on wood, get called by my patients. Um, I just doing gynae only. There there aren't a ton of emergencies there. I mean, sure that can happen, but. Um, I have a patient portal and I encourage with every visit, I encourage my patients to reach out to me through the portal directly. I'm like, it's HIPAA compliant. It's a private portal. That's how you get a hold of me. I check it a couple of times a day and I don't mind it. It's, it's lovely, but I'm not getting paged constantly and interrupted constantly. And it, it, it's totally manageable. Yeah. Sounds so nice. It's so nice. <laughs> it's so, so nice. They say private practice is dead, but I don't believe it. I just no. don't. <laughs> no, 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 no. I really don't. You are you are preaching to the choir here. I am in the private practice of private practices. Yes, yeah. it is. It's, it's it is alive amazing. and well. Yeah, it's been absolutely amazing. Okay, so we talked about some misinformation about um, you know getting your hormones checked, and some misinformation about uh, about birth control. I mean, is there anything else that you'd like? Like, let's say you had a group of your referring physicians in the area, sure. and and you wanted to help them to be better refers either to 
work stuff up themselves or, you know, or before they send them to you, maybe tee the patient up a little more. Sure, sure. What are, what are some things that you'd like them to know? Well, you know, right now I'm happy. You just, just send me your patients. I have my own ultrasound. I'll spend a half hour with them. It's lovely, but <laughs> that's not how it was. Most OBGYNs are part of a very busy practice and they really do appreciate when you send the patient for the ultrasound first, um, order whatever labs you want to lab, you know what you want to get on them. Usually, you know, you're at least, at least checking a thyroid and stuff like that to make sure that that's normal. Um, but yeah, they, we love when they come with the ultrasound in hand, and then we know we know which direction we're going, which way to talk to them about options. What are we ultrasounding? <laughs> you want to look at the uterus and the okay. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm just like there's like a whole area here, right? And I don't know if you when you order it, you order something specific or just like the whole abdomen and pelvis, like uh, you know. Yeah, you send them to radiology. You say pelvic ultrasound. They usually start, they uh, have them fill up the bladder, press on the bladder while they take a look at the uterus and ovaries. And then uh, then they usually do a transvaginal ultrasound actually to get a better look at the uterus and ovaries. But uh, what we're looking for are fibroids in the uterus, uh, cysts on the ovaries, sometimes a polyp in the uterus. These things that cause abnormal bleeding, you know, problem with the hormones, all that kind of stuff. So then you know what's going on first and then you know how you're going to approach the treatment. Okay. So less hormone checks, more ultrasounds. Please. Yes. Much more okay. helpful. Much more helpful. <laughs> okay. Well, and, and let's say you had a bunch of medical students that you wanted to make sure were, they're not going into OB, they're not going into anything related. They're like radi head and neck radiation oncologists. They're, you know, <laughs> otolaryngologists like me, right? P pathologists that aren't working. They have nothing to do with OB, yeah. but you just want them to be good physicians, citizens of the world, you know, yes. conveying good information. What are some things you'd like them, us to know? Yeah. yeah. Just that there are many safe and effective birth control options. And if a woman wants to go on and, and have an education or a career, you know, she, she needs to be aware that there are so many safe and effective birth control options. There's so much misinformation out, out there right now. It's, you know, please don't get your information off of TikTok and influencers you know, I told my patient today, if they're trying to sell you something, that's that's the red flag right there, right? You know, they've got the supplements, you know, she bought all the supplements. It's not where you want the advice. So anyway, so safe and effective birth control options. Birth control pill is safer than pregnancy. Let's remember that. And lots of good, reliable options. Uh, women can have control over their reproduction. It's a beautiful thing. Fantastic. <laughs> Dr. Karen Wallach, where can people find you online? Where can we find your practice? Sure. I'm, I'm uh, in the western suburbs of Chicago in Downers Grove, Illinois. I have my uh, own little website, uh, Wallowick Women's Health. And of course, I'm on Facebook and Instagram because you got to be now. Wait, spell Wallowick for us. Just Sure. It's W-O-L-O-W-I-C-K. Just like you say it. Fantastic. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for your time and all this great information. And um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So much fun. Thank you. That was Dr. Bradley Block at the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. He can be found at physiciansguidetodoctoring.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for a previous guest or have an idea for a future episode, send a comment on the webpage. Also, please be sure to leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you next time on the Physician's Guide to Doctoring.